welcome back to Write Dammit with me, Zoe Richards, your host. This is the podcast for writers of all kinds who maybe get stuck with your writing. This podcast will help you get unstuck and help re-motivate you so that you get the writing done. Episode 44, and this is part two of my publishing journey. I didn't actually expect to do a part two quite so quickly, but I thought I'd bring you up to speed with what's happening next, because this might help you to do some thinking ahead. So we are starting the process now because the publication date is in June 2024, as well as doing the process of getting the edits, we've also got to think ahead around sales and marketing. So I thought you might find it helpful to know a little bit around that side of things. Now, first of all, something that I forgot to say in part one, and it is actually quite an important point for me to have mentioned to you, actually. So this is the fact that we wanted to get the book deal into the bookseller. Now, you've probably heard or seen rather on social media where people do vague publishing tweet or vague publishing post or whatever. And that's because when we first know that we've got a publishing deal, we can't speak out about it straight away. Now, there are different reasons for that. Some of it is because you're still going through making sure that the contract works for you and getting everything changed or adapted to what you need in a contract. Or it could be, as it was with me, that it's about a form of marketing that needs to go on. We had to therefore wait until we'd signed the contract to then be able to do a press release to the bookseller. And my agent, Claire, prepared that before we signed the bottom line so that we could then be ready to push it with the bookseller. And as a result of it also linking in with a story for UCLAN Publishing, which is that they are launching their new women's fiction arm of their business next year, it kind of was a, a, a no-brainer, I reckon, for the bookseller because not everybody gets in there. Part of it will be what kind of a relationship does your agent have with the bookseller? Not everybody will have that kind of a relationship. Some of it will be that they've not necessarily found the tag to use. What What's the thing that makes it a worthwhile story to go into the bookseller? So, of course, there we were wanting to get it into the bookseller as well as waiting to sign the contract. So that put a delay in me being able to even do the vague publishing news. <laughs> so I had to wait until we were at the place where it's like, yep, we've signed. We've got a publishing deal. And even then I couldn't say anything until we saw it in the bookseller. And as soon as it was in the bookseller, we were then able to start shouting from the rooftops about it. That's the first bit about marketing. That's all around creating a bit of a buzz. Now, something to keep in mind around that is that you will be asked for press releases of that kind of nature for a photograph of you. Now, there is a temptation to do photographs yourself, and I do understand that because a professional photographer does cost money. And I have actually, I used to teach photography, so as well as having done photography professionally, alongside coaching and other stuff that I was doing, I also taught at a local college at night school. So I know photographers, and I also know how to take a good photograph. So here's a couple of quick tips if you're going to do it for yourself. Lighting is more important than anything else. So never, ever, ever have a photograph of you 
taken with a window behind you or with the sun behind you because your camera is, un- unless you're professional and know how to work your camera or a skilled amateur knowing how to work your camera, the light from behind will mean that your face will go into darkness. So that's the first thing. The second thing is don't be tempted to stand up really close to some bushes or a brick wall or a wall in your house. Now, if you are going to stand up against a wall, what you do is change your angle. So you lean your shoulder into the wall rather than having the wall directly behind you. And that way it doesn't mean that, because what you can get happening is that the wall takes over, that becomes the thing that we see. And if people say, oh, I love that door behind you, that's gorgeous. They're not seeing you, they're seeing the door. You want them to see you. Okay, so they're critical points. I think the other thing as well is to just be relaxed when you have a photograph taken. Tilt your head a bit. There's a saying in photography, where there's a joint, bend it. So if you've got a joint in your elbow, bend your arm. You can loosely, relaxed way, cross your arms across your body or stick your hand into your pocket. And with your head, just tilt it slightly. So remember that, where there's a joint, bend it. And that way then you can make sure that the photograph looks good. And the final bit that's probably worth saying is never cut off at a joint. Always make sure that you cut off below or above the joint. Uh, Usually above the joint is better so that it gives a, a, a good image. And it's worth having a look at other people who've clearly had professional photographs taken and just mimic some of the way that that looks. But honestly, if you can afford a professional photographer, it's worth it. So that will help not only for any marketing that you need to do for announcing that you've got a book deal, but it will also help for everything you're going to be doing. So including on within your book, you know, the back cover or what have you, you may well have a photograph of you and you don't want it to be one where it's you know obvious that the husband's been cut off or the kids have been cut off. You don't want one that looks too much like it's a holiday photograph. You want to look approachable and friendly. You don't want to look too business-like. Oh, there's so many things to think about. So the best thing to do is go on to Pinterest and just do a bit of a search through Pinterest. Even though I've got a professional's eye when it comes to photography, I still look through Pinterest to get inspiration. Right, okay, the next bit of marketing. So alongside the edits being done at the moment, so I haven't received the edits yet, but I probably will do early part or mid part of next week, Alongside that, we're now looking at what are we going to do around the marketing. So now's a good time to think about what is it that is really key about you in connection with your novel. This is the why you writing this. There'll be some kind of connection. So I've got some themes that run through my novel and there are some very clear bits that I want to pull out around why me. So there's a theme around mental health. It's not the whole story. It's not a story about mental health, but there is a theme in there around mental health. I'm a suicide survivor from 25 years ago. So actually, I've got a story to tell for that. And that's something that's really helpful for people doing sales to know where they can get you in on a story. Now, you might have heard on BBC Woman's Hour recently, I think it was last week, Wiz Wharton was on Woman's Hour because she has an experience of mental health 
and there was a story that they had that they wanted to pursue around mental health. So she's clearly got a really good publicist who's been able to pick up on the bits that Wiz Wharton has said she's prepared to share. If you've not come across Wiz Wharton, by the way, she's written Ghost Girl Banana and it's well worth a read. So yeah, so Wiz has done that piece of work of understanding what's a theme from her novel. There's plenty of others she's got as well, but that's one that her publicist has been able to pull out and then they can use that. I have other themes as well that are within my novel that I can use. There's uh, some amazing food and I've included some of the recipes in there, including for kombucha fizz. You'll have to read the novel to find out why there's kombucha fizz, what kombucha fizz is and how you make it for yourself. It is in there along with some other recipes as well that are just kind of in a relaxed way thrown in. And it's all around vegan food because for health reasons, we went vegan for my husband's health uh, many years ago, probably 10, 12 years ago now. And so I am able to do talking around vegan food. We've also, through my daughter, supported her with owning a vegan restaurant. And uh, so I could also do some stuff talking about going vegan and uh, helping people know what food they can eat. So it's another angle. Now, going back to the mental health one, we have a local radio station where one of the presenters is really big into mental health. And I actually know him. So I'll be getting in touch with him and having a chat with him and see whether I can have a, a way in which I can weave a story in around some other pieces that he's doing on mental health. I'm also going to look through the calendar and look for when is Mental Health Week, for example. And I'll have a look to see when there's, you know, we've got Veganuary in January. So although my book will launch in June, I'm already thinking ahead and thinking, well, do you know, I could probably get a boost for my novel in January 2025 all connected to Veganuary. I'll have a boost in terms of what I will post on social media, but I'll also look to see if there are any opportunities for features to be able to get articles written that will include something about the novel. Or I might even write those features myself because I did used to write for two national magazines many, many years ago. So as you can see here, there's an exercise that we need to do to think about what is it that we bring to the table? What's that uh, social interest? What's the story that people would like to pick up on rather than just being about your book? It's not enough. This is what I'm discovering. It's not enough for me simply to say, hey, look at me. I wrote Garden of Her Heart and you can buy it from June next year, 2024. That's not enough. I need to have hooks that I can use. And I'm really racking my brain a lot now that I've discovered this to look for what are those things that are the hooks? What are the social interest stories? What's the stuff about me personally that I'm prepared to share? Because honestly, I don't want to share everything about me and my life and my family. I want to keep a lot private. So I've got to think as well, well, when I am being interviewed, what am I prepared to share and what am I actually going to hold back on? And although I've told you about being a suicide survivor, there are still some elements of that story I know I want to keep private. So I'm not going to be sharing everything about it. And some of that's to do with the lead up to what happened in my life up to the point where I decided to take my life. But I'm happy to share things about how I described how I felt at the time and that people didn't notice that I was even thinking that way that I had a mental health problem because my way of describing myself, I was the world's best wallpaperer of life. I wallpapered over my own cracks and nobody could see what was going on beneath the surface. So that's the kind of stuff I've already decided I know I'm prepared to share 
And then I've decided the bits that, no way, not going there. People don't need to know that because actually I need to keep that as personal to me and personal to my family. Okay, so in terms of this update, it's just about thinking ahead. How are you already engaging with people on social media? Do you have a newsletter list, uh, email list? And I say that one because actually it's really quite important when we look at what's happened around Twitter, I refuse to call it by its new name, I'm being very stubborn on that. When we look at what's happening there, And the fact that people are going to multiple providers of social media now, where are we supposed to be? We've lost that real estate of Twitter. It's no longer as powerful as it was. And, you know, it's taken me years just through a very organic process to get to nearly 3000 followers. I can't put in that effort quickly between now and next June. So there's something about thinking now of how can you start to build an email list and how can you make that interesting to people? The other part linked to that then as well is to think about how you can be consistent. So I was doing a weekly newsletter and I've discovered I just actually haven't got the time right now to be able to do that. I might be able to do that come January and I will start building back up to that. But right now, I need to do a monthly email list. And if you're not already subscribed and you'd be interested in finding out how I'm handling doing that newsletter, then all you need to do is go to zoerichards.co.uk and you can sign up for my newsletter. If after a couple of occasions you decide you want to unsubscribe because you've seen what you need to see, that's absolutely fine. But it might help you to think about what is it you need to do to build your email list and to start your newsletter. And it's like the thing with the tree, isn't it? That when's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. Well, it may not be 20 years ago with creating our email our email list, but what it is, is about having the starting point now as soon as you can. Even if you just start with 10 people on your email list, that's 10. I started with three, literally just three. Then I had a bit of a leap up to 10. Then it went down to eight and then it went back up again. So you can see how it goes up and down. And I'm still only at just over 30. So I've not got masses of people on my emailing list yet, but I'm realizing how important it is to own that real estate of an email list. Because if I rely on it being social media, someone could pull the rug from underneath us. The other thing to keep in mind as well, if on social media you've got different handles, you know, if you're if you're a different name on each form of social media, find a way in which you can use exactly the same name. So if you're following me on social media, you'll have noticed I'm Zoe Richards UK because somebody in the US already has Zoe Richards, so I can't use it. Oh, and actually there's an actress in the UK who was in Selfridges. Do you remember Selfridges, a TV programme? And she's called Zoe Richards and she owns the, uh, the Zoe Richards, I think, on Twitter. So I've had to go for something else and I've added UK on the end. You might add on writer, author, or you might put in some other word that you want, or you could even call yourself something completely different. What I would suggest, though, is try and find it something that helps people find you once you're published. So I am really in that place where I'm doing lots of discovery of the fact that I'm going to have to do masses of marketing myself. This is not all going to be in the hands of the publisher. It literally is going to be down to me. And thankfully, I've got an agent who also says it's down to us. So myself and Claire will be having to do a lot of work around the publicity side of things around the marketing. 
so that we can help with the sales. And, you know, I guess I could say that this podcast is part of that. It hopefully will help people to find me and to know about me and people who like women's book club fiction, uplit kind of novels, perhaps then will say, but you know what? I'll be looking out for Garden of Her Heart and I'd like to read it. Oh, one other thing as well. So I've also got to start thinking about who are the writers I want blurb from? Oh my word. I mean, I'm sitting there going, Bonnie Garmus? I'd love it to be Bonnie Garmus. I'm going to have to find a way to find if Bonnie Garmus would be happy to give me some blurb. Wouldn't it be amazing if it was Marion Keys? Okay, we are in dreamland there, but I'm also looking at who else do I know? So obviously there's my coach, Stephanie Butland, and I will be asking her. I have other people who I would love it because I've read their novels and I think that there's a a good fit, a good match between us. Not going to put people on the spot around that. I don't feel so bad with people who have very famous (laughs) but people who are perhaps less famous don't want to put them on the spot so I won't see say here who I'm thinking of but yeah I've got to think of who's going to write the blurb for me and then who are the influencers who I can perhaps get to do reposts for me and who do the book blogging and the book tours in the context so I I met Stu Cummings but he's more into crime and thrillers so although he'll be a lovely person to repost for me he doesn't seem to go for the kind of novel I've written so I've got to start looking for who are the Stu Cummings in the world that I could actually talk to and see if I can work with them around book blogging and to get the word out there about my novel. So, so much to think about. And I will keep on sharing with you as I carry on going along this journey. But I have a feeling it might be a couple of weeks now. So I'll be able to share with you the edit process in a couple of weeks in part three of this series. There you go, then I will leave you to it. Happy writing. May the words flow for you. And I'll see you on the next episode.